Hey guys, welcome back to the Passive Hang. We are at episode 75, and today we are joined by Juan Reda, who is a movement teacher based in Melbourne, Australia, my hometown. And so I'm really pleased to bring him on the Passive Hang because recently I've connected with Juan as well, joining his movement classes, which have been nothing short of extraordinary. So I was really glad to dig in and hear more about his backstory, about his experiences through going from his home country of Colombia and how he ended up here in Australia, from his journey with studying circus to finding or meeting Ido Potal and joining him in the mentorship program to establishing a group presence here and teaching movement, spreading the good practice here in Melbourne, Australia. Juan has a deep bank of experience and a unique way of teaching and I get to ask him about how he approaches teaching movement and his views on particular topics such as opening the body, the role of strength, the notion of strength carryover and how much strength do we really need. All right guys well I'll leave it at that I know you guys are going to enjoy this one. We're going to get started here we go. All right, guys. Well, uh, we're going to get started. And today I'm very happy to be joined by Juan Reda, who is a movement teacher in Melbourne, my hometown of Melbourne, which I'm very blessed to have actually connected and uh, taken a couple of Juan's classes recently. Uh, I was honored to be a guest uh, a few weeks back. Um, and yeah, it was a really amazing experience just being a part of um, the community that uh, you've built up here in Melbourne and then to be exposed to the way that you approach your teachings as well uh, because it was quite um yeah there were a lot of uh, areas that I hadn't experienced before or been exposed to before as well so I was really excited about that and you know the energy of fresh new material as well is always um is very like supercharging as well. Uh, and we also had the pleasure of sitting down for a chat afterwards uh, from one of the classes as well. And uh, yeah, I thought it'd be a fantastic opportunity uh, to also share on this platform, the Passive Hang, um, to find out more about yourself and your teachings. So I guess just to start it off, welcome to the podcast, Swan. Thank you very much. And I'm very grateful and honored to be part of this project of yours and it's amazing that you're here in Melbourne as well uh, and it it makes me super happy to to know that you're doing this and having the chance to invite you over and share some time and discuss was amazing and everyone in the in the group as well was super happy to meet you and uh, I just want to take the opportunity to thank you for this service that you're doing and it's it's just amazing like all the guests that you've had amazing practitioners some of them I don't know personally but I respect and admire very much and you've also had some of my dear close friends there so I'm very happy and honored to contribute and you know share some insights and and spend some time with you again so thank you for having me well one place that I did want to start is recently you've shared quite a lot of clips from uh, what you say is your uh, uh, the past 18 years um that you've titled an anthology <laughs> yeah. and I loved seeing 
all of it come because it sort of came in a flurry um, of all these different training clips. Uh, and I do recommend for people um, listening to the podcast to jump over to one's uh, Instagram and have a look through all of it because I think it's um, – yeah, it, it's it's amazing to watch all these, I guess, snippets over a, a very long time frame of, of your life. Um, and I just wanted to understand a little bit of background from the impetus to the sharing behind all these clips. Well, um, yeah, I wish I had, you know, even more more ways to um, share all of this, this journey as well, because I think... Uh, that's one of the beautiful things with with social media and all the different sharing platforms as well. And um, the clips that I was sharing, I think that the oldest would be maybe about two thousand and uh, about two thousand and eight or something like that. So um, that was probably about the time. No, there are clips from two thousand and five when I was uh, at Circus Hill here in Melbourne, actually. Um, so background okay um i was born and raised in in colombia south america in bogota the capital city um i guess the 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 point that started many things for me in terms of exploring um, physicality would have been capoeira when i was in my teens Mm -hmm. um since i was a baby pretty much i was obsessed with with martial arts um but this was all through movies and cartoons growing up in the 80s um me too <laughs> <laughs> amazing um you know back then because of like political and other reasons colombia was actually not isolated but we wouldn't have a lot of um foreign influences so there was not there weren't many options when it came to let's say martial arts or other practices. Um, so it wasn't until when I was, I think 12 or something that I, I found this capoeira group and then I started doing that. And through the practice of capoeira, that was, as I was mentioning, it was like a great platform. And that's what got me interested in to gymnastics to develop my acrobatics further. Mm-hmm. And then to connect with martial arts as well, because I was always saying, yeah, this is a beautiful thing, but I want to explore the acrobatic part a bit more. So I got into gymnastics. Then I wanted to connect more with the martial side of things. So that's when I started practicing martial arts. Um, and then more and more and more, next thing I know, I was with my family uh, on a holiday trip in Florida about... I don't know, this must have been around 99 or 2000. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I saw my first Cirque du Soleil show, La Nuba. And then when I saw that show, I was mm-hmm. like, this is what I want to do with my life. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I, I didn't know that there was such a thing as a circus school. I, I always thought it was a very hermetic type of world just because historically that's the way it works in, in South America. You know, it's like family, mm. um, like different families, they basically train and run the whole show and everything. And, you know, it's, it's very, very hard to, to, to get into that world. Um, and for all sorts of reasons and meeting the right people, I learned about some of the schools 
I traveled to uh, Montreal to audition for the school. Didn't get there. Uh, but then I also, around the same time, I, I applied uh, an audition for the circus school here in Melbourne, NICA, mm -hmm. the National Institute of Circus Arts. And um, I got in and then when did I actually start? About 2006, 2006, that's right. So, 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 so these yeah. are some of the clips from that very beginning of that journey. Uh, these are there. There are some clips from that. There's also clips from the second circus school that I went to, which was mm -hmm. in France. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I wish that you know back then I didn't even think of filming stuff in Capoeira or like you know like any of the martial art practices and all of that. But I mean, it's there and like like that whole journey, you know, like what got me into that because, for example, hand balancing. Mm -hmm. I had foundation from capoeira and gymnastics, but I started exploring the whole hand balancing thing on my own because there was there was nothing there, and that like you could find some old resources. Like there was a book, the 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 lost art of hand balancing by Professor Polinetti, who a guy was selling back then, you know, and it, it had some insights. There was no YouTube back then, yep. you know. There was a there was a website called. Um, Still the Oof, which was a breakdancing uh, website from, from France, where they would also compile clips from tricking and circus training. Uh, so there was that website where you could find some clips. And there was also another one called bilang.com. Mm. And that's when you would find like clips of like the first time I saw like a corkscrew, you know what I mean? It was yep. very pixelated and whatnot. And like, I would watch this with some other friends and would try to figure out how to do this stuff completely different times to nowadays, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and same thing, I would watch clips from people training. I'm like, how would you get into a one-arm handstand? It doesn't make sense. Anyhow, um, very grateful because that kickstarted this whole process of inquiry and trying to figure things out. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and learn how to find good resources as well. And then the other one being this forum called Dragondor way back in the day. I've heard of Dragondor, yeah. Yeah, Dragondor, it's legendary. Like that's, that's when I, you know, that's when I read some of the first articles of uh, Coach Summer. That's mm -hmm. when I first learned about Ido. Uh, so yeah, just putting all of these things together, you know. Yeah. Um, anyhow, that's what got me into... Mm, circus that's how i came to um australia way back in the day and what did you yeah. specialize in at a circus at that time like did you did you just enter or did you already have like an apparatus or um a skill in mind i i was obsessed with just strength you know obsessed like i really liked it um so i knew about hand balancing is a discipline and um, Chinese pole. And I really wanted to do that. Um, Nike has a very different model. Like every circus school will have different models in terms of the curriculum and mm -hmm. how they try to develop people. Um, so you have like a lot of basic work. So you need to learn a bit about aerials and, and group skills and whatnot. But my main focus was hand balancing and then Chinese pole. Um, and yeah, like, as I said, like afterwards, after a couple of years, um, I decided to go to another school in France and that was a completely different thing as well, which is kind of related to 
how I got into the whole movement thing as well and, and, and what I do currently. Um, but yeah, main, main practice was hand balancing. I, I was very fortunate to have amazing teachers from all styles, so Chinese, Bulgarian, Russian, um, Ukrainian, and uh, great training partners. Um, mm -hmm. Much love to my brother, Louis West, who's been a guest of yours. Maybe you can ask him about some of the silly things we, we did back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah. And did you end up, yeah, performing um, in, in the circus or did you, did, did movement training and teaching, did that open up a different pathway to what you were expecting from before? No, I actually performed. Yeah. But my, my career wasn't focused on circus per se, because what, what happened, and I'm just going to try to be brief with that as well was before I got into circus school, I was studying visual arts mm -hmm. and I really appreciate the history of arts and uh, just a lot of theory. And when I was nearly finished at NICA, I realized that when it comes to circus, you have to be clear as well in terms of career paths, meaning do you, do you want to work in a traditional setting? Right, so touring, working in a tent, performing an act. Do you want to be more of a like a like an athlete? So somebody working for Cirque du Soleil, for instance, or um, do you want to use the skill and technique that you've acquired to create stuff and express yourself and whatnot? So I was leaning more towards that end, and I mm -hmm. realized that my experience training first was very physical, more mm -hmm. into you know, like the physicality of it, but I did have many questions related to using the skills acquired as a, as a way to express myself. Mm -hmm. And that's what took me to the school in France. And it's a completely different modality. So basically when I was working in France, I was not doing any circus stuff, like as in acrobatics, mm -hmm. because what I learned while being at the school, there was who I was really and, and not to just rely on the skills and tricks that I could do and enjoy doing. So most of the work that I was doing on stage was either dancing or acting. Mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, that, so that like brought you on a different path of realizing that you wanted to, um, because I guess at the start you joined this because you saw that Cirque du so Soleil show, right? And exactly <laughs> that, that was that that was the one path, but but this led you into a different direction instead of going into into that area. A hundred percent. But it was it was it was even the same with Capoeira. You know what I mean? I mm. saw some people doing flashy kicks and flips in the park. That's what got me in there. But all the years I stayed there was because I fell in love with the culture. You know, I fell in love with the mysticism and like the the history of it, which had nothing to do with the you know like the like super impressive stuff and like by the way it's the same thing that happens for many of us with the movement things you know like you get in because you want to do your one arm handstand and like you want to pull up and all this flashy stuff and there's 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 nothing wrong with that all i'm saying is that there seems to be also this this type of cycle you know when you realize this was the entry point for me and boom it can open into also many different areas as well for sure so it's a it's a recurrent theme you know it happened with mm. it happened with circus it happened even with movement if you like mm. you know, and you can see that 
more and more and more and more and more and more. So, yeah. Yeah, I guess you sometimes when you enter into these um, new areas in your life, you know, you're attracted to a certain type of destination or goal at the start. And then as you dive into it, you know, that might not be the same destination that you desire anymore. And and you, and you realize, you know, other things. Yeah. I, I do see that also re- recurrent in my life as well, as I've dived into, <laughs> into different things and maybe, yeah, that's just the natural cycle of um, unfolding as you yeah. explore into certain areas. Yeah. That's a beautiful way to put it unfolding. It's yeah. Spot on. I like that. So yeah. you you're over in France and, um, uh, how many years were you over, over there for? Uh, nearly six years. Okay, so quite a long time. Um, yep. And then, yeah, take us through what, what happened after that that period and then did you come back to Melbourne then? And, you know, when did the, I guess, the, um, uh, the movement practice start servicing f- for you? I guess, uh, was there a transition from that, from like, I guess the, the circus style training or what you were doing before into this sort of training, like take us through that journey. Um, so before I even went to France, I, I found, I found Ido, Ido Portal, of course, everyone knows him, um, through, as I was telling like Dragon Door and all of these things as well. And what was very interesting for me was that back then he wasn't even mentioning anything about movement. He was clearly a capoeira person, but he was talking about nutrition, programming, um, all sorts of things that for me was super alien to see after years in the capoeira world where there's a lot of, um, yeah, it's like, you know, capoeira, it has its own culture and style. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's a bit chaotic and I love it. So to have this person being so systematic and bringing all of these uh, resources into his development was very inspiring and interesting for me. So that's when I started to pay attention. Um, And then, as I told you, the the lack of resources and being like coming from this time pre-YouTube and tutorials and social media, mm. you learn how to navigate and, and use the most out of the, the tools that you have to find resources. So um, even when I was in France, just trying to understand and um, enhance and upgrade my own ways of improving my, my, my training, but also even my well-being, um, I was always monitoring what Ido was saying as well, because um, I also realized we had many teachers in common mm. from, from different areas, you know? So learning from Claude Victoria, some of the Capoeira teachers, some of the martial arts teachers, and even friends in common. And he would go to Del Tevre Danza, which is a huge dance festival run by one of my dance teachers. So I said like, okay, this guy has an interesting uh, perspective and um, I had the chance because I had some time off to attend movement camp this was 2012 I think 11 12 in Singapore mm-hmm. so that's the first event that I went to um, I went there also because um, I wanted to to spend some time with, with Joseph fighting monkey 
mm-hmm. uh, who was the guest teacher at the time in that event. Um, and that was like an initial connection. And I really liked what, what he was doing um, because of my own schedule and all of that. I never thought about doing online training or anything like that. But whenever I had the chance to attend a workshop, I would go. And I remember when I went to the course uh, the year after, Ido asked me about, you know, what I was thinking of doing and all of that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he just said, like, let's stay in touch and all of these things. Um, I met there a good friend. Shout out to Joseph Bartz as well. Amazing. Um, I met Joseph there and then I decided to do some training with him because he was somebody, you know, doing intensive work one-on-one. So whenever I had the chance, I would go to Berlin and and study with him. Mm -hmm. This was all for my own personal, I don't know. I had no ambition whatsoever because I had my career performing, you know? Yeah. And um, like many things started to happen. I started to connect again with other um, passions of mine in the martial arts And um, after years touring and performing, I said, I need to find a place and just be there. And then with my wife, we had the the project of moving back to Melbourne. Mm -hmm. Still at that point, I had no clue, no plans whatsoever. Um, I thought I would probably get involved with the circus school and train because back then I already had a little bit of a, I wouldn't say reputation, but I was known within the circus school circuit mm-hmm. um, and had been teaching in some um, circus uh, meetups and gatherings. Really enjoyed the teaching like since forever. Um, but then I was training with Joseph in Berlin and Ido was there and he, he said like, hey, I'm starting this thing called a, a mentorship program and it might be of your interest. And I said like, okay, uh, what is it about? And he said like, well, I'm gonna take some people um, and uh, try to go a bit deeper in their development as practitioners and teachers. And I said like, yeah, well, why not? So jumped in (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, that happened the same time I was coming back to Melbourne. Okay, so you're starting to finish up your like performing and touring part of your circus career, yep. Exactly. And then basically, uh, when I got back to, to Melbourne in 2015, that's when I also started learning, let's say, uh, in, in this more intimate setting with, with Dido and the crew. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe about five, six months afterwards, I, I started to teach here in Melbourne. Mm. And then over the years, I kept learning with him and uh, just unfolding, as you were saying, more and more and more and more things. Um, And now we're here, basically. Yeah, I guess at the start, you know, was there any specific things that you had in mind that really interested you in this side of the training? Because obviously from before, you're already exposed to so many different types of training modalities through all the worlds that you passed through was there um yeah was there anything sort of specific you know as we're saying like the the initial sort of goals or destinations that you're kind of like oh like 
that's what I want to explore or was it more just because like you had met these people before and you just wanted to, to, to spend more time and, and learn from them? That's definitely a big part of it. And in hindsight, I can mention maybe a, a few different lines. So what you just said, it's a part of it for sure. The other one, um, and this has always been a theme in my life, I just go with it. You know, like when I met him, even before I, I talked to him, I knew I would work with him. Mm -hmm. And this has been a, a theme with many of my teachers as well. So I just go with it. Mm. Like no ambition whatsoever. Certainly enjoyed it very much. Made friends for life. As I told you, you've talked to many of them already. Um, so that's also part of it. But then certainly um, there was like this paradox type of thing in which uh, maybe I wasn't aware of that back then, but there was this, this kind of cool type of thing of being part of this kind of like special group of people. If you, if you, if you know what I mean, I know that that sounds, yeah, it sounds silly, but that's, mm. that's how you feel, you know, like, Oh, cool. You know, like I'm, I'm part of this cool thing happening, you know? Mm -hmm. Um. And at the same time, and that's why it's a paradox, it was recognizing all that was coming out because of that. Meaning what was extremely exciting for me was coming from my own journey of trying to figure out something like hand balancing back in the day. And then understanding the old ways directly from the, the circus world to then slowly see how because that was the beginning, anyone could learn hand balancing. Mm. And the same thing happened with great resources, you know, like before that, like Andrew Spina came into camp and boom, now he's open to the world. Joseph Fruchik, same thing. All of these amazing teachers holding so much knowledge, it was because of this meeting point of movement that they realized like, hmm, hold on a second, I don't have to always stay in my circle. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to open up. And that for me was super exciting all the time to see like, boom, you see like this, just like how everything would continue and expand and reach more and more and more and more and more people. So it was strange because in a way you're like, mm -hmm. you know, like I'm, I'm one of them. I'm, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, and at the same time you see like, it's so exciting that it's like spreading out. So it's like this, this pull push dynamic. Mm -hmm. um, and uh Goal-wise, over the time, that's what I was saying as well, you, you realize how everything is just simply an opportunity for you to learn and understand. Mm -hmm. Understand yourself and understand who you are with others. Um, and I suppose for me, as I told you, just going with it to the point where we are now, um, where what I try to promote as best as I can is just to be as open as you can, to be as clear as you can, and to enjoy it at all. So it's a combination of all of those things. And how was it when you came back to Melbourne and, you know, you'd committed to this program, I imagine at that time as well, like no one else is really, you know, doing this sort of stuff like <laughs> in Melbourne, you're kind of learning it online. Like, yeah, 
take us sort of through that time. I, I'm guessing it must have been quite challenging as well. Yeah, of course. I mean, I think that growing up, uh, being immersed in this subculture of punk and metal music and uh, like being the odd guy all the time kind of helps with pressure and, you know, like the awkwardness of many things and then also performing. So there was not that that pressure, but of course it was extremely challenging. That's why it took me like a good six months to understand how things work here. I mean, in Australia and in Melbourne, mm-hmm. understand language, understand physical culture, understand um, the expectations of people, and then trying to have a little bit of perspective, many times being completely wrong, but trying to have a little bit of perspective in terms of how things would develop over time, mm. you know, with this thing, because it was obvious for me from the beginning that this whole thing would continue and grow more and more and more and more and more and more. And more and expand so just trying to make the best choices with that now uh it was funny because in many ways um it's something that potentially could reach and help so many and at the same time um it's so tricky to find initially the best avenue to to connect and to start and and share more and more so I'm very grateful to have met in one of my visits before I got back. Shout out to Anurag Gil from Hydra. He used to run CrossFit 3039, who opened the doors uh, when I came back. You know, and that's when I was initially running the classes back in the day because Anurag had met Ido. So, mm-hmm. you know, I guess it was kind of like being smart with the network of people who knew about it and then little by little trying to put it out there. Mm. And it, it was just, as I was telling you, I was doing all of these things and Ido and my friends would always look at me and say like, why are you doing this this way? Like I would always organize a Facebook event every single week. And um, from the very beginning, I was running like classes were at least two hours and people were saying like, how do you expect people to commit yeah. and come over two hours? You're crazy. You know, like I, I, I said, like, that's what I want to try. And uh, as I was telling you, like, you know, making lots of mistakes, but with no pressure, because at the end of the day, deep inside, I knew that uh, for the things that I was trying to, to create, you have to go through that process, you know? And mm. that's, that's it. You know, I, I don't have hundreds of students. I don't have, my own facility, but I'm very fortunate to have a beautiful group of people who have been sharing with me for a long time. And that, that is precious, you know? So, but as you said, very challenging in the beginning, plus like the whole language thing as well, people not understanding my accent and yeah, (laughs) just fun. (laughs) Well, I only know the Juan of today, so I don't know how your accent was, was before, but you know, you communicate very, very, very um, clearly. And, th- you know, that's something that I took in from when I was taking some of your classes uh, as well with uh, how you were explaining things. So, you know, I think it's uh, developed a long way from wherever it was from from before. <laughs> very kind, sir. Thank you. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I, I guess through that journey from 2015 to where you are now, um, and, you know, this is going back to that, idea of that anthology you know were there were there any sort of any standout points 
during during that period in particular which um where things like shifted for you or there was like turning points to how you approach things um in in your practice um there was always a parallel in terms of the, let's say the, the for lack of a better word, the, the external development of, of everything and then my inner development with those things. And by that, I mean just like a parallel with my own life, my own practice, learning and teaching, and then the whole thing being part of a, like a specific branch, let's say of 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 this whole thing and then observing the rest and most of the time realizing that there was not necessarily um like harmony within all those different lines meaning um, i could be going myself in one specific line of development with the group here mm -hmm. uh, that was moving away from what let's say the the general branch was trying to do and at the same time um just observing what was happening worldwide with many things um and um i suppose when there were some 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 critical points that started to um show more and more what the possibilities would be I remember like the different waves of, let's say, momentum of attention that, that happened for the movement world. Like one of them was when Conor McGregor started to work with it though, you know, that was a huge exposure thing. And like, I remember when that happened, I was getting like lots of attention from people and fighters and whatnot and blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah. And then you realize, what is it that I want to do with all of that? And, mm -hmm. and who am I with those things? Um, and then questioning many things as well in terms of skill, in terms of knowledge, in terms of teaching, in terms of passing on information and what it all meant. So I realized, and I was telling this story actually two days ago to somebody else. I was, when I was um, working also at, at the CrossFit gym, you know, I was running also I was one of the coaches there. So it was, you know, like CrossFit strength and conditioning, all of that. Mm. And I remember clearly there was one class, um, you know, so I'm just monitoring everyone. And they had this, this bell, you know, when like somebody achieved something like PB him. So like the bell rings yeah. and I turn and everyone's cheering, super happy. And one of the ladies was so happy and excited and she was crying. And I'm like, so what happened? And I'm like this, this lady got her first pull up and I'm like, oh, wow, that's amazing. And then like it, it just hit me like, wow, like she's crying. And like, it was so strange and alien for me. And then I get back home and it, it was so surprising that I had to share it with my wife. And I mm -hmm. told her, look what happened today. Like this person cried. <laughs> and then she told me like, but of course you don't know how hard that is. Mm. And then it hit me like, oh, wow. Okay. Yes. I'm actually so far removed as well. Mm. in such a way because you you tend to point the finger and say like there's this there's this new wave of how we do things because there's a lot of problems running from this this industry or this perspective and all of that and people are detached from their bodies but i realized i was also being very delusional with all of that because mm. i was coming from this 
world, you know, like circus school and all of that, where I realized that I didn't have perspective and understanding truly of what it meant for others, mm. you know? And that's when I realized I needed to have more clarity with all of those things. So instead of trying to push a specific set of tasks or abilities or even a syllabus to be accomplished, that was a turning point for me to question, what is it that I'm doing here? Right. And mm -hmm. to honor the opportunity of guiding others as well with that. Mm. So I, I, that opened my perspective a bit to pay attention to what many others were doing, you know, and to realize that many people that I uh, maybe was not paying attention to were doing amazing things, amazing, um, bringing on great ideas and perspectives. And then to realize that um, this whole thing, it was just like a moment in time that kickstarted potentially a lot of um, growing in many, 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 many ways, way beyond a trend, a brand, or even an idea. Mm. And that is continually evolving and growing more and more. Sorry. So how do, you, how do you define, I guess, what you are doing at the moment or, you know, what, what guides you? Because, yeah, that seems to be a very beautiful point of, of realization or, or deep self-reflection for yourself. So trying to be brief here with this. <laughs> I think that nobody in the world cannot um, ignore the last two years or three years or however long it's been of this collective experience. Um, so if you take the last couple of years as a point of reflection and introspection for everyone, um, I think that the turning point for me was to realize that being a teacher more than anything means that you are being of service. And you also realize that all the knowledge that you can bring, it's not yours, you know. It happens through you for others. Mm -hmm. Through you for others. So you try to be as much of a channel as you can be. And what I do currently is just try to support others as best as I can. And at the same time, try to open up many of the things. Hence this whole anthology thing as well. Because I realized that although I had made the, the, the choices of running a small group here, I've been very fortunate to have the exposure and the experiences that I've had all of these years and that it would be very selfish to hold on to all of that as well and not just give it away mm. and not give it away as it doesn't really matter, but give it in a way that can support and contribute more and more and more and more. Mm. So now when I see something like the Passive Hang podcast, meet somebody like you and many others, it just, it's like you feel this expansion more and 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 you just want to give and contribute and support 
So if something guides that, what I do, it's certainly that, you know? And uh, then you realize with all the things you do as well that um, if you are open to understand whatever it happens in, in the process of, of, okay, finding a group and learning and exploring all of these things and whatever that might open in your life, you see that that's probably the clearest moment of hoping to align the different components of who you are to create a path, you know? A, like I'm gonna butcher a quote, but there's a quote that says something like, in order to walk the path, you don't find the path, you must become the path. Mm -hmm. So, Again, that means opening up, sharing more, showing all of these things and and reaching out and connecting more and more and more, you know, and then very, being very, very grateful and lucky to, to have that because there's there's always my own personal transition goes with that as well. You know, you come from from this, this background of being a performer and all of that and people say like, oh, wow, like you do all of these amazing things and you live the dream and all of that. And then you realize that you know, you're just a single point of reflection like anybody else, you know, and you actually, you know, what I realized with that is, of course, it's beautiful being on stage doing something, inspiring others, and you go like, ah, yeah, like you have this moment where you just embrace it all. But what I wish is to help people see and experience that themselves all the time. Mm. You know, and that's like, it's a big dance. <laughs> it's a big dance. And like many of the experiences that I've had in the last decade or so now make a lot of sense with that to, you know, help me be in the place where I am right now. Well, it's kind of like this transition that you play um, from when you are just like a practitioner and just um, practicing mainly for like self-nourishment. And then when mm -hmm. you take take on the role of going, oh, I want to shit teach and, and share it with others you know it's a totally different perspective versus when you're just um the practitioner you know it's kind of just filling up your own bucket all the time and going okay like how can I keep on finding all these new wonderful new things to keep on filling up my my bucket but then when you decide to become the teacher you know a lot of the things that are uh resonate with with you or the uh are the most appropriate for you at that uh, that time is totally different to that person who is at a different point in their journey, right? And um, such as that example with 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 the pull up, right? Like a lot of the work that you'd be doing, even though it'd be very very interesting to you, wouldn't be really applicable for that person who is just like at a completely different stage of their their journey. Exactly. <laughs> and you see, like, how could you miss that? because let me tell you that I've, I've been there like in person and then online when people achieve these crazy things, crazy feats like of acrobatics and stuff like that. 
And I never saw that same enjoyment mm. as I did that day. And that's probably why it hit me so, so much. You see, you go, wow, okay. <laughs> you know, so yeah, that, yeah. that's true. And, you know, that's, um, that was something a couple of years ago as well that I wrote to myself. I remember as I kept on getting deeper into this practice to go, you know, when you, some of these things that uh, you work so hard to achieve as well, just like take a little, little moment to, you know, do, do, do a fist pump, do, do a smile, do it, do a dance. Cause sometimes, yes. yeah, you can turn like a little bit too serious, you know, work mode on the whole time. And then even when you get like, say like the press to handstand finally as well. And you just go, Oh shit. You know, like now I just got to, clean it up and you're still really hard on yourself versus like that emotion where yeah like maybe you could be crying with happiness instead and that would be yeah. really beautiful yeah exactly exactly right yeah. yeah yeah it's a beautiful analogy yeah so one area that i wanted to ask um uh, you about is that recently you also shared that uh, yeah you're opening up more learning opportunities uh with yourself um and so i wanted to get more of an idea with um you know if someone was to start studying with you and and let's say let's say maybe this is more like remote learning um because uh there's a lot of people from around in the world and i think this is the quite interesting thing about movement like a lot of people i think sometimes find this movement um concept and they're living out in the middle of nowhere where no one no one else knows about it so yeah what how, how do you sort of structure the education process um uh, or how, how do you yeah how do you sort of map it out because i'm always interested in this in this area of okay like someone wants to start studying movement like wh where do you what's the starting point where do you start from so you mean specifically to the the remote coaching or just in general? Uh, just in general, but maybe like uh, you might approach it, approach it di differently like for with someone online versus like if they were here in Melbourne and, you know, could come to your classes and, and do that, you know, it's a bit of a different process. Yeah. So in general, what I've found the, the most useful for me as an approach is um, an idea that I that I, I learned from it though, which is the, the notion of a map, right? So if you if you've got a map, where do you start? In a map, you could say I start where I am, and where do you go? You go whatever you want to go. That sounds very open, but then in terms of navigation, you need to have certain tools to be able to deal with this chart or blueprint or, or map, right? So arguably some people would say that the better tools for navigation and the more options you would, you would, you would have, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that's when you work on certain things that might be labeled as foundation or basics or preparation work, right? You name mm -hmm. it. So that's always a, like a very clear easy way to approach it right and then you can you can use different perspectives generally speaking with the people that i i i, I teach and share with we try to we try to work with um 
three different lines of work. One would be relative to the group. So what is it that the group is working on? The other one, what you want to do, what you enjoy doing. And the third one, maybe what you need. Mm. Yeah, and many times they're not the same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? So how do you address those things there? Now, with that, of course, you also have to take into consideration that even if you are running a group, um, you cannot contain the impact of um, the information that it's been processed all the time. Yeah, like nowadays. And this is an amazing thing. Um, I, back in the day in the school in France, I had to write a thesis for my circus <laughs> degree. And my thesis mm -hmm. was the impact of social media and YouTube on physical practices. I wish I had a copy of that. Um, oh, you've lost any, it. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's in the school, so I might go visit next year. So I'll get it and try to, to translate yeah. it because there was some some nice ideas that, that came with that. But anyhow, arguably, you have to see how platforms like YouTube and Instagram have changed the game completely and elevated it like a court, like along all disciplines, like breakdancing, tricking, b-boying, calisthenics, even movement now as well. So um, there's always this dance of content and inspiration sometimes, motivation sometimes, and distraction many other times that would kind of lure people like, oh, maybe I go this way, maybe I go that way. And you, you have to respect and deal with that as well. Mm. Um, so where do you go would, would also clearly have an impact of what is happening uh, globally, let's say. And like this is this is something that has been going with many things, and you see the evolution of it. So, certain things like locomotion, or then mobility, or uh, joint preparation, and then this quality, or coordination, or rhythm, or, or all of these things, right? And then people get excited, and then they they get behind it, and they they channel this exciting energy, as you were mentioning, of new, fresh, and all of that. And you wanna you wanna ride that. And you want to support people on, on that as well. And then you want to try and give people the best tools you can so that they can navigate this thing. So there is a big paradox now for me. Mm -hmm. All these years, my focus was to say, okay, we're going to use this approach, this specific way in learning, for example, floor work. And you're going to do it this way so you have a specific understanding of a principle or quality that you want to develop. Why? So that you can do things with a wider spectrum of option as opposed to doing it by default. I do it this way. And this is my way. But it's the way just because that's what you know how to do as opposed to opening options, right? All in the name of choice. Freedom of choice and clarity. Mm -hmm. Now, this is the paradox, you see, because real choice can happen only if you're blind, truly to know who you are. So in this practice, if you want to discover all the beautiful things as well, you want to go through that process. So this is the beautiful dance of trying to guide and lead others and perfection your skill as a teacher in making things approachable, systematic, work with scalability and whatnot, be eloquent with your words and at the same time, not rob people of that. 
mm-hmm. you're just getting in the way of it. Yeah. So you have to manage both, if that makes sense. Yeah, I can say like in one way, like offering a certain pathway such as that where it sounds like quite quite clear, right? And it's like, okay, yeah, like here's the lesson, follow this, then I learn this. But then, you know, if um, at some point you need to learn how to deal with, I guess, the chaos of the freedom of of just that that you can do anything as well. But um, as a teacher, yeah, I can see like that can also be quite challenging to try and present that for a student who's looking for maybe specific guidance sometimes or or or, or structure on on how to approach that. So it's like how much structure or boundaries do you put around that yes. before before letting go? I, yeah. I, I don't I don't know the answer. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and that that happens to all of us in all sorts of ways. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, um, like I personally did that as well. Like that's why I, I I studied with so many hand balancing teachers as well because I always thought this this is the one who will reveal the truth. This is the one who will show me the you know the mm-hmm. the ultimate the ultimate method or whatever. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, like I like every single person gave me just treasures for sure, absolutely. So I'm not nothing against them, nothing but gratitude. But it's all on me thinking what was it that that drove me to find all of these people was just like delusion and many times it was also like lack of clarity within myself with Mm -hmm. what i wanted with that you see and that's 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 always the case you go to like the next workshop maybe this time i'll find i'll unlock the secret to my press handstand this way or that way or whatever you know and there's always that that thing because the more option you have the more you get into this predicament of how do you know this is the right one for me or not yeah and that's the beauty of it precisely it's in this blindness of it and the whole chaos of it that you get to truly find all of those things within yourself right and then as a teacher you go like no you're gonna hit a wall okay go (laughs) and um that's that's the beauty of it as well Mm -hmm. so yeah i guess how, how do you sort of operate as as a teacher to because you have to give them some instruction and some boundaries to to get to get started um and I, I like even as you mentioned these three areas of you know like uh like catering to the to the group and then you know my takeaway from what you explained there is like not just like a group that you're part of maybe physically but also um as part of like the wider culture like online as as well which is yeah a really interesting way of putting it and i think um yeah, that is a very clear source of energy um, that you can tap into when everybody is sort of, you know, exploring it all together and it's a new rising area and all contributing to it. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. Um, and then maybe this is uh, an area that would be good to explore is this thing of like what you want versus like what, what you need and, say how do you sort of approach that with a student to maybe help them become aware of what they need versus like i guess okay i just want to achieve that that one skill or this this one top topic or area i'm interested in well there's 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 two there's two points there 
with what they might need, right? One would be even within the process of unraveling and unfolding whatever it is that they're working on. And then of course, through observation and many use, you can pinpoint generalize, which is not a great thing, but generalize to some extent, some critical areas that people need to address relative to lifestyle and hygiene and culture that might be uh, contributing to a lack of, um, or more so like blocking certain potential in terms of development, right? And that's when you, you hear things like, what are the main points to develop in terms of strength and conditioning, right? Or range or this or that. So of course you observe over the years, general themes that apply to most people. Mm-hmm. But then even if, even if it doesn't apply fully to you, I will have the tendency to take you through that process in hopes that by learning that and doing it, maybe uh, your partner friends or family might benefit from that as well, right? Because what we try to do is to promote the practice, open the practice so uh, more people can participate as well. So what I mean by that is suppose that um, you you go through a certain protocol to open your feet, mm-hmm. right? In terms of range and conditioning. And that means that you're going to be kneeling a lot of time and you try to do it as often as you can. Well, chances are that people might ask you questions. Why are you doing this? Right? And sometimes they they jump in and practice with you. Mm-hmm. Okay? Or even if you're just planting that seed there. So maybe you yourself don't need to go through that process of opening, but by doing it, it might reach somebody else. So even if you don't need it, like we try to go through it as an entry point. Because the other thing in my position is that Many, if not most, of the, the 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 people who come and learn with me, they themselves are teachers or are coaching in some modality or other. Right. So you want to make sure that um, they have also an understanding beyond themselves in terms of what they're doing, so they can use it to help others. Mm-hmm. Right. And then the other thing in what they might need, it goes with this. Many times, if you come and say, like, okay. My, one of my goals, it's a one-arm handstand. I'll tell you, a one-arm handstand is a waste of time. It's a waste of time from a general perspective, let's say, if mm-hmm. you want to have like a whole thing because of time and effort and all of these things, yeah. right? But if you understand it's a waste of time relative to that point of a general development, right? Mm-hmm. Not as a skill. It's a beautiful skill. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> and you're cool with that, then I'm with you 100%. And we go to hell and back to make sure that you get your one arm handstand, mm-hmm. right? That is also to deal with what you need and what you want, because then you'll go through a whole process. And it doesn't mean that you'll come out with a whole justification of, uh, I learned real discipline and commitment and all of this and time management with a one arm handstand. Like this, you can find with anything else, but it's more in what it's not, mentioned what it's not understood and then you just see like the ripples of these images and and notions and ideas of what it means why do i feel this interest this attraction towards this skill this style this move this ability and aversion towards other things what is that 
that I resonate with beyond that. Mm. And that it's a very intimate, unique process as well. Now, if you can help people um, empower them in the choices they make, even knowing that, you know, it might not produce what you're looking for and still go for it and still support one another till the very end. Ah, that's when you're aimed for joy and laughter and frustration and all the good stuff, you know? Mm. So that's also part of that dynamic of what I want and what I versus what I need. Right. Mm. Yeah. I like that. And um, I like it. It sounds like, yeah, there's this very clear dialogue that you have with, with people so that um, when they have like clear intentions around certain skills, like that one arm handstand, you know, you'll, you'll help them get there as well. Um, but one, one area that I, I did want to open up the discussion for, for you is like, say if they had that um, or they, they didn't have that particular skill in, in mind or specific skill and just said, oh, I just want to, I, I just want to learn in terms of general development as this like open topic of movement, what might it look then for, for a person? Well, it would be then <clears throat> more resonating with what the group is doing as well, right? Because little by little you gain exposure to things. And then it's like people who are unsure about going to uni and they, they end up taking like, you know, different options in order to find what it is that they're like something mm. of this order, you know? Mm. So of course, even if you are doing things that you go like, I completely hate that at the end of the day, if you're in the, in the group, you'd still be doing those things as well. Right. But that can still serve as a point of, of reference for you to know, like, okay, I enjoy doing this. This is something that I want to be doing. Um, and of course, the other thing relative to the last couple of years in the world, it's to try to reinforce more and more community, group, physical contact, you know, and connection. That's a huge, huge point in the classes that I teach currently. Uh, so of course, you'll be taking into that straight away. Now, in terms of people not having reference or goals or understanding, again, you want to make sure that you open certain ideas. So... Uh, the main things that I would uh, work with people would be general things that are known. So understanding your spine, moving your spine, um, understanding certain harmonies in the body, which are then expressed in terms of how you organize the body, how the body folds, um, how you develop strength. And a big one is to pass on the notion that we use that strength is knowledge versus strength is a list of things that you do. And that kind of like sets the ball for them. And then they start to unravel more and more and more and more things. And then um, trying to give them some tools of observation. But at the end of the day, that's what I was telling you. Of course, we can promote certain ideas of what general movement might be. But for me, I, I, I don't want to hold that as some precious uh, idea because 
at the end of the day, if somebody's just coming in and they want to work with me to improve their BJJ game or whatever, I'll be as invested with them as I would be with somebody who wants to learn the whole thing or whatever or whatnot. Mm-hmm. If if that makes any sense, because my my main interest is is with the interaction with the other person, as opposed to passing on like a curriculum, if you like. Mm. And then for that, you need you need to uh, just create the space for others to um, gain their own clarity in what they want. There's essentially two main fields that I that I use, and this goes a little bit beyond movement. One of them would be, um, as you were saying, with intention. If I can pass the perspective of how to cultivate intention in your life, my work is done. Intention is what allows you to navigate the madness Mm -hmm. in the world, having clear intention, okay? And then the other one, it's in terms of what many traditions might call as balancing of integration within yourself. And this is sometimes uh, called equanimity or uh, quadrupolar magnet or many other things in some spiritual traditions in which you balance certain aspects of, of who you are. So if you manage to understand yourself as a single, single point, okay, so um, the experience that I have in my whole movement journey in this example, mm-hmm having to wake up at 5 a.m. to go do my straight arm session in the garage when it's bloody cold (laughs) (laughs) or working with stillness or something that I don't like, or for some other people, the the social skill of actually going and doing some group work and interacting with others and being social and physical contact and also addressing um, overcoming challenges physically overcoming challenges which can have all sorts of of manifestations right and then also promoting your sense of intellect and uh, curiosity and creativity so whatever you use no matter if you have like a cool uh mix of skills and whatnot if you manage to implement that with somebody your job is done then you're just in sharing and and celebrating in a way yeah Yeah, i mean it really sounds like again you're looking to just be of service of to that person to allow them to reach this um these new levels of awareness so they can make the the choices that they want to make within their life and using i guess this if it is like this, this topic or this field of movement to help them reach this, to, to open up this, um, this field of options for them, uh, within this space. You mentioned something just then that it's brilliant. You see movement in itself from, from my perspective serves because of the vagueness of it and the openness of it versus the novelty of it. Because it's so vague and misunderstood, it's perfect because it has no constraint whatsoever. So it can be uniquely yours as opposed to some new thing, newfound thing, very unique, you know? Mm-hmm. So we choose to see it that way, like, boom, <laughs> you know, like, boom, galaxies open. 
Mm. Yeah, exactly. So you mentioned before about this uh, thing about how strength is knowledge versus a list of a list of things. Could you expand a bit more about what you're saying there? Um, so if you go to like the go like the debate, right? If like who's the strongest and all of these things, like you'd have relative strength, absolute strength, and the whole debate. And then what it's necessary for a mover right or anyone what what i realized over the years as well teaching and practicing it's how understanding how you transform and you reset depends very much of an understanding of the context of what you're doing and your own structure don't get me wrong there's general things that would be good for anyone in any type of activity it's not that grip strength it's not going to be useful or whatnot or of course um but you realize that with many things there was a lot of misunderstanding or romantic ideas in terms of carryover to other fields mm. you know uh ninja warrior back in the day when it was just running in japan right i remember when they invited one of my heroes jordan jobchev bulgarian ring specialist like legend <laughs> and I'm like, Jordan Jobchev, it's going to school everyone in Ninja Warrior mm-hmm. obstacle course. And within the first 30 seconds, he failed. Why? No finger strength at all. At all. Mm-hmm. Right. So you go like, oh, damn. So like having a couple uh, ring elements in the gymnastics code doesn't make you, you know, potential champion in, in, in something like this obstacle course thing that's just a simple example right but then you also start to ask many other questions you know so if i can do a full planche does it mean that i won't be arm barred in bjj you know and like you start to see like how how we create all of these ideas not saying that there's not something there Mm -hmm. so i'm more interested in in showing people how having that understanding liberates your approach towards strength and conditioning versus being obsessed with something that you have to accomplish as some sort of holy grail that will unlock your potential mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. it, like the amount of climbers that i know my wife it's an amazing rock climber she cannot do a pull-up and she climbs better than i ever did doing mm-hmm. like modern pull-ups and whatnot so you see like what am i doing this for dun, 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 dun. Um, and then hopefully questioning many other things. So what is that I require to excel in this activity? Truly. Yeah. What is the role of, uh, my conditioning? What is the role of the preparation that I do on top of all the other stuff? And at the same time, understanding that when you make those choices, sometimes there are things that you cannot avoid. I, I, I work with a few grapplers help them open up the torso and they feel amazing after years of being in like in some sort of a shell of armor Mm -hmm. and they feel amazing they go back to grappling and they get mauled because then you you don't understand that maybe some of the adaptations that were happening were very specific to excel at the level that they're practicing Mm. right again on saying that there is nothing wrong with having 
a dream set of lists and goals that you want to do, right? But just for the for the hell of it, you don't need to justify anything as if having these this moves means this or that. Do it because it drives you. Do it because you enjoy doing it as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and of course you can create your own story. I was obsessed with with strength and conditioning all the years because I wasn't the, the the strongest, the most athletic growing up. And then being able to do all these feats of strength and whatnot was my own way to overcome that. So create your own story with those things. Yeah. 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 My experience as well with um, investing in strength and strength practice as well. And this is sort of uh, my initial takeaway when you mentioned that strength is knowledge is that it almost um yeah it 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 helps you a little bit more clearly define this map of maybe like how capable you are versus like how not capable you are and you you can quickly realize how not capable you are in so many areas as you def- as you um map out more areas of uh of capacity within the strength field because as you say like for that gym gymnast um you get exposed because that your fingers aren't strong or uh at least i think in this approach that i'm taking with like a more like um uh, a generalist approach to, to strength um that i become aware going oh, okay like yeah maybe i do need to prepare a bit more before i i do that activity or i can see something and i'm like i'm probably not going to be so great in that versus I think before when I was just like hitting the gym and just like benching like a lot of weight. Um, and <laughs> that, that sort of, uh, the contrast that I make there was previously, I might have this image that I'm like, Oh, I'm really big and strong because I can bench this huge amount of weight, but not knowing that outside of that context that I'd probably I'm not able to express that amount of strength other than being under a bar in, on that on that bench. But now I have a bit more awareness going, okay, like even though I can do this, maybe I have to be a bit more thoughtful approaching this other area, which might be new. And I can't just say like, oh, I'm strong and I can dive straight into it. Exactly right. And also the other way around, you know, because in the same way that you can chart and map all of these things, it doesn't mean that then you um, avoid your bench press because <laughs> mm. you, you can also understand the value that that can have uh, outside of the specific goals that, that you do. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that mm, many people currently are not in their bodies. Um, and if they ask me like, what should I do? I'll tell them like, do go do some lifting, learn how to deadlift, you know, do some squats, heavy squats, that'll bring you back in just to have a little bit of, you know, grounding in a way, mm-hmm. nothing to do with other things that you might develop or not. So it's like, um, as, as, as we have this um, exploration as well, it's important that when you, when you, when you get to turn the coin and see the other side as well, um, you still manage to keep the previous side with you, right? Mm. So it's in the spinning that then you realize all of, you know, the potential for all of those things. And uh, it's funny because we always, um, whenever we find the new approach, it becomes the approach. You know, So 
when when I try to share this idea that strength is knowledge, I'm not trying to disqualify or bring down strength and conditioning at all. I think it's extremely important. It's just that it might be a more helpful approach for somebody who wants to, as you say, explore and dive into all of these things as well. And at the same time, acknowledging collective experience with many things, you know, and the ways things are done and, and, you know, like not ignoring certain things. So like, you know, uh, I have this very complex uh, type of um, uh, practice. I shall not do core work. Uh, well, I'm not too sure about that. Mm-hmm. Not too sure about that after years of teaching, you know, or I do all of this and like I mix my intensity to whatever. I do not require running and doing cardio. I'm not too sure about that also, <laughs> you know, so <laughs> we can create all of these, you know, uh, castles in the clouds and, and whatnot. And actually it's a, it's a beautiful moment when, you're exposed and you go like, oh, damn, <laughs> I was dreaming again. Let's go. Yeah, I think that's a beautiful, uh, uh, those are some beautiful points there because, um, yeah, they, those are ones that uh, I've had at various points in my life as well where you kind of, um, you're sitting high on a mountain on, on some area because you feel like <laughs> it's going well and then it's, yeah, like you have to you have to run or something and then you go, oh, hang on here. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I love when those moments come. You go like, oh, oh my god. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I guess, I guess then you know you uh, identify what you need versus what you want, right? Exactly. That that's also another marker for sure that you mm-hmm. can use. Absolutely. Yeah. So, where I want to pivot to now um, sort of goes to where I joined some of the um, two of your your classes and we went through a few interesting sequences where you referred to it as like the, the opening of the body. And, um, there was, uh, and th- you reminded me of this cause you just talked about how you were working with some grapplers, um, and uh, how you worked with opening up, up their body. Um, and there was one, uh, there was one moment there where we were working on this sequence with, um, using w- what I can call like almost like strikes of the, the elbow, uh, to open up the the ribs and this was something that, yeah I'd never really done before and you mentioned how in the opening up of the upper body specifically how you know you can tar- target the um the upper spine and then the shoulders but then after that you know with the ribs is a really important area to um to work on and so I wanted to just have you explain a little bit further on I guess this concept of opening up the body and maybe we can talk about like maybe the, the, the upper body and the, the components of, of, of that. I just wanted to hear you sort of a, a, to touch on that as, as a subject. Right. Um, so opening the body, um, opening the body, it's something that hopefully we can understand and work with on different layers and levels. Um, in regards to the question that you had with the, the elbow sequence and that, it would certainly be relative to range of motion and certain things, right? So as we were saying, you can generalize certain things. Um, and when it comes to the, the torso and the spine, you know, we have this tendency with the, the upper spine, the, the T-spine opening, 
Um, and then the shoulders as well with hand balancing, improving the opening of the shoulders, the shoulder flexion. And then when you continue with uh, that type of a process of, let's say, upgrading from being 8-bit into 4K torso or something like this, <laughs> uh, um, you, you run into the challenge of the ribcage. Hmm. Okay, so I'll, I'll just pause that there. When it comes to the idea of opening of the body as well, um, it's opening your understanding of the components of the structure and, and what is there. One of the big themes that you're gonna see more and more coming also from the movement end of things would be um, understanding that preparation has to go beyond the joints and the muscle. And people are addressing more and more ligaments, tendon and fascia. Okay, and there's great resources there. Uh, the work of Tom Myers with Anatomy Trains, the work of somebody like um, Bessel van der Kolk, who wrote The Body Keeps the Score, or Dr. Gil Headley, and his studies also of fascia and like how it really behaves and the effect of it in the body. You're going to see more and more practitioners uh, mentioning these things openly and driving the, the practice in that end. So as you open this scope, you integrate all of these things and you will see a lot of exploration and bringing back also ancient knowledge in terms of working and developing this. I just mentioned that because the, the elbow sequence that, that, um, that you're talking about comes from a particular style of Chinese arts. Um, and most arts, they have what it's called the Jiben Gong which is kind of like the fun foundation work of the style. And basically they knew of the ways to open up and connect and develop this tissue and make sure that it was also um, harmonized within the body with the different, the different tissues, the different patterns, the different ways in which you would uh, coordinate, et cetera, et cetera. So, there is a certain connection between your elbow and your ribcage. And when you dive into this complexity, you would start to promote the opening of the ribcage, okay? Mm -hmm. um, so when you're aware of the effect of that, you implement all of these tools, regardless of it being a martial component because most of the people in the class don't, don't, don't necessarily want to learn how to um, strike with that speed or explosiveness or whatever. But I personally trained it and I've used it with many people and you truly see the effect it has in the body, okay? Um, by the way, if you wanna look it up, um, this, this style, it's called Mian Chuan. It's not very known. Um, there's three lineages to my knowledge at the mm -hmm. time. One is in Shanghai, I have no connection with them. Mm -hmm. The other one is in, in Jintan under um, Shifu Wanzhou, who I learned from. Mm -hmm. And the other one is in Australia under uh, Master Yang in mm -hmm. Sydney. Um, I think they, they don't uh, exist anymore as the uh, martial art, which was called Yang Mian. Um, they reshaped into what it's known now as calligraphy yoga, but they use all of this mm -hmm. knowledge and the jibengong to open the body and the spine. They do beautiful work. I recommend checking them out. And I think there's 
uh, quite a few teachers that I haven't met personally up north, Queensland and uh, New South Wales. So check them out. Calligraphy. Mm-hmm. Um, check out Master Yang. So anyhow, this is um, there's a lot of, of of good tools coming from ancient practices, and like they had figured this out a long, long time ago. Mm. So uh, then when it comes to the rest of the, the torso, you can continue a bit more. And then basically, once you open your understanding and your perspective, you realize the importance of fascia when it comes to connecting the body. And we're simply talking about movement and even strength, which is but a fraction yeah, like a very, very small percentage of, 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 of these things. Um, and it, it pays um, a huge role in coordinating and connecting the lower body and the upper body. Mm-hmm. Right? When you see how uh, it basically supports and involves the whole coordination of the pelvis and the spine, you go like, okay, okay. Now, many things make sense in terms of your gait, in terms of uh, power lines, in terms of throwing, in terms of punching, in terms of organizing in specific ways in space as well. So using this, let's say, for lack of a better word, unorthodox methods also goes in this idea of knowledge. Mm -hmm. So you go a bit outside of understanding the type of preparation that it's required. Hmm. And also don't label things uh, as maybe not relevant because of their origin, meaning maybe the straining that it's specific for a boxer that you as a dancer wouldn't think of doing because, yeah, this is fighting Mm -hmm. and we miss the value in it Hmm. as well. But um, as I said, it's it's an area where you're going to see many people contributing and mentioning more and more and more and more. Many of the lead practitioners in, in, in the movement world are saying this, and you're going to see more and more. And I certainly recommend the, the book, the, the Body Keeps the Score, to open up the, the notion of what we're talking about with this topic. I definitely want to check out that book. I've come across that Anatomy, anatomy Trains before. Um I've flicked through that before, but yeah, I haven't heard of that it's other book. It's a books, dense so. book because it's like 800 pages and they're like, oh my God, it's which a is Bible. <laughs> which is why I've mostly flicked through <laughs> certain yeah, sections like... that have interested me rather than going through the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then you're like, ooh, okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, yeah I mean, um, I, I do just want to dive a bit more deeper into this role of yeah like as you as you mentioned like the the, the fascia in particular because sometimes like i see this as well you know being being mentioned in different places and um i think sometimes it it can be like a little bit less easy to comprehend comprehend or understand versus like the action of of the joints or or the muscles, which seems to be sometimes like more more clearer t- to people. So, yeah, in, in terms of working with the fascia and like uh, training it, like um, yeah, maybe if you could just um, riff off or uh, explain a, a little bit further. Okay, so, um, yeah, <laughs> this is a, a huge topic actually. So the interesting things to to consider 
beyond what we said as well is um, in terms of integration of your being, fascia plays a huge role because it also has, in a very simplistic way, emotional memory. So things like trauma and suppress emotions are stored there. And usually when you have chronic recurrent injuries that therapists or even surgery cannot fix, this is an area that people don't look at and it would change things massively for many on that level. Then you see that it's almost the missing link between many components when it comes to um, bridging that gap between researching and practice as well in the physical practice. Many of the theories that are presented more and more with you know, the different types of brain, the importance of the vagus nerve, the dynamic between the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system, the fascia plays a big key component in this as well. And again, when I was mentioning ancient knowledge in a way, um, many traditional arts, especially in China, would mention these things. And one of the ideas, if you like, that they try to develop and promote is what it's called the Huang. And the Huang, it's almost like imagine having your own wetsuit, internal wetsuit that makes sure that everything is harmonized, connected, and working in synergy. Hmm not only from the well-being health perspective, but also in the terms of, let's say, functionality, also for lack of a better word, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and um, you bring a very, very important point with many of these things, because what happened back in the day was that this was always just shrouded in mystery and called one way or the other. Not to say that there is no truth in some of those things. But now you start to see um, different perspectives, more accessible, maybe with a style of language that it's more clear for many, and also um, making it um, or showing it in a way that it's not necessarily um, woo-woo or also uh, rid of value unless I am insert specific uh, label. Mm -hmm. um, opening the body also works with the notion of softening. So when you're talking about some of the things that were brought into the light by this movement wave, like mobility, for instance, Mm -hmm. mobility right everything's about mobility mobility and then the 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 brother of mobility or sister um joint proofing bullet proofing and all of these things as well yeah right great stuff great tools great ideas brought in so you have that there right then you start thinking about all the different methods and knowledge and experience in regards uh, to the subject of flexibility. So you, you go into that whole debate of mobility versus flexibility and all of that. Mm -hmm. Then you have the notion of 
movability. Yeah, made up word in a way. Mm -hmm. Movability is not the same as mobility. So you can have all the range in the world, the strongest joints. That doesn't mean that you're going to move very well. Mm. So it's a completely different thing. And then softening or creating space. When you think of tension in the body, the notion that we have, it's a little bit simplistic. We think that tension in the body, it's just um, not the muscles being very tight. But another component of it as well has to do with the different type of tissue and how it binds. Essentially, if you were to achieve or maintain a certain quality in the body, like children or like animals, most of them, you see if, you know, you can check your daughter, she's perfect. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you check the body, it's almost like you can feel the different layers of tissue gliding mm. on top of one another. Yes, I've had this before. Yeah, exactly. Or when you're petting a, like a cat or dog and you see like, woof, like all of this is just perfect in a way, right? Softening can take us in that direction. And that it's sign, physical manifestation of a certain harmony, not only in terms of your physical well-being, but also your emotional and mental state. Mm. So you will see more and more how people give more power and meaning, not everyone, and it doesn't have to be for everyone, to the physical practice like this transformed my life. This was, you know, what allowed me to uh, remake myself and all of these things. There's this transformational component and almost therapeutic component to any physical practice that if you open up your scope of understanding when it comes to these ideas, you'll be able to take it to further, 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 further levels of um, option as well. So, yeah, I hope that that gives you a couple points. But as I said, this is a huge, 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 huge subject. So. Yeah, maybe as you said, like anatomy trains and uh, the body keeps the score. It's it's a good good uh, reference point to start. Awesome! Thanks for sharing that. And yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to also seeing more of these areas being being shared because yeah, each time when I view some of these birthing things, such as you know, like when mobility starts exploding and like. A new another new topic starts ex exploding it it's almost like yeah there's this uh collective rise in consciousness of that oh shit there's always like so much more there that we thought we under understood that it isn't such the case right and we keep on trying to define all these things under these certain umbrellas but then there becomes like new things or sometimes like things that you can see are just like not clearly understood but being tried to be explained under one certain umbrella but um it needs a, another type of of um explanation or another type type of view and you know one example that you had there was about uh you know you can have all almost all the mobility in the world but it doesn't mean that you're actually going to move well either but sometimes it can be almost like sold in that way that that is the key and the answer to to everything and but um, I know even for, my, for myself, like you, there's an integration that needs to happen in accordance or in conjunction with that for you to actually, yeah, coordinate and to start 
changing your movement patterns to actually to to use some of those ranges that maybe you've opened up to as well so yeah i'm i'm interested to to see how this all all plays out you've put it in such a beautiful way absolutely and you see what we were saying i mean it's it's this this blindness in a way and constructing all of these myths as well like it's all the mobility that's going to give me that imagine if you're if if you're removed from that n- none of this would come to be mm. none of this collective experience that we're having right now with you know this shared practice as an example and hopefully we will be able to realize that what you just said that is a direct reflection relative to the the practice you know this 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 um, collective mutual thing we share among movement uh, people it's also a microcosm of hopefully what we'll manage to bring into existence in the world, which is also this meeting, this dialogue, this harmony between organic and synthetic in intellect and intuition, mm. in modern science, science and ancient knowledge. Because as you were saying, every time one of these things is brought to the light, you see the possibility and everything that comes with it as well. And we have this very unique set of circumstances, tools and potential to bring literally, you know, divine potential into manifestation here, like really crazy, crazy stuff as well. So hopefully if we manage to write this, in the experience that we have physically, it will extend a little bit beyond that as well. Because it's it's a it's a very clear, beautiful example of what is happening as well. So yeah, thank you for putting it with such eloquent, beautiful words, my friend. The other area which you've been sharing recently as well is these interesting examples of working with the rings. Um, and there was one that you shared with like called the Houdini something I've never seen, seen before. But then I think there was also another clip um, that I saw a while back where, yeah, you were working with like these different ways of working with um, uh, w- with the rings in ways that I haven't really seen before as, as well. And so, yeah, I was uh, interested in just asking you about, um, you know, with, with that area there, because I can sort of see like um, there's some role of, Potentially, you could use it as a as a as a strength tool to 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 develop yourself there. But um, with an area such such as that, um, yeah. What um, how do you normally like introduce that uh, to to people? Is that more like within this sort of like group or class setting where this is just something that people are going to explore, or maybe in the in the role of you know developing someone in in terms of their strength to use that tool in conjunction with like more classical style of, of rings training as well. Um, yeah, I was just kind of interested to see how you sort of balance that, that more, what I sort of viewed as more like exploratory versus, you know, there's, there's also like more classical styles of, of developing. 
Well, you, you answered the question. <laughs> it's exactly that. It's a combination of, of both. Of course, uh, like just even today in the class, we were doing a combination of both things. So like very, as you say, classical or lineal types of things. And then this, this type of moves. But um, the idea of sharing that as well was also hoping to use that as an example of, of what we're trying to, to, to share, generally speaking. Meaning you have nowadays, like rings are so uh, available and known and common. Back in the day when I was training gymnastics, forget about owning your own set of rings. It was impossible, you know, like mm. now you can get them from Revel Sport or whatever, or order them online. Mm. But even then, even if it's so common, for some reason, it's almost like people respect it so much that they don't want to just explore and, and, and open it, but there is no rules. You don't have to ask for uh, permission of anybody to claim this is worth doing or not. Mm. So have a bit more fun and explore these things as well. So you relax a little bit with these things. And then you realize that you don't have to associate ring work with breaking my callus for my muscle because of my uh, false grip development or this dreaded type of, you know, uh, specific bent arm sessions or whatever that that happen as well for some um, but you discover it can be fun it can be playful I encourage people in the group to come up with their own things and then share it and then we discuss the the ways in which it can be enhanced the potential for scalability and then of course there's there's also uh, things that you can use for your own development. So like the, the example of the Houdini, if you manage to do it, there's a clip somewhere in my Instagram and when I could still do it fully loaded, I cannot do it to save my life. Now it's too <laughs> too much, but you could do all of these things as well, like fully loaded. It, like it takes a lot of strength. So if you're just into the strength side of things, of course you can do it as well. But it's quite interesting when you see people solving the puzzle of it and breaking this, this false idea of what, rings should be mm. you know what rings should be it's you know it's it's open for all of these things so you said it yourself there like in a session usually we use some of these moves as um like opening you know um and we're alternating with very linear classical drills as well for sure because otherwise you you, you won't be able to do much as well mm. um but yeah i mean that's what I would be doing at, at, at circus school all the time. You would just take things and find different paths and all of that as well. Um, and then in terms of most of the, the ring stuff that, that I've shared with that, it's just a, a combination of being exposed to many other disciplines. So like aerial straps from, from circus. And one of the most mind-blowing things that it's not very known, um, and I see that it's, it's, it's quite a demanding discipline, is this uh, sport called gym bar. And gym bar was originated in Colombia, where I come from. Ooh. And for some reason, tapes of old school practitioners in the 80s reached Russia, and the Russians took it to the next level. But I was what having... Is, what is gym bar? Like gym bar, it's like acrobatic, crazy, pulling mayhem. Contortion meets gymnastics meets 
torture means <laughs> I don't know. Like it's 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 crazy. It's a beautiful thing. It's it's mm -hmm. super hard on the joints. Mm -hmm. Um, there are some cool tools for people to explore. If you like, if you check up gym bar, you see all the potential for different grips, mm -hmm. you know, because you see that some tools that are known more, it's like Eagle grip, right. That mm. you can see in gymnastics, but these guys take the grips to the extreme. So of course the problem with that, it's that there's no scalability, mm -hmm. but it's an interesting thing to see. And like, I, I, I shared this with, with a few people who took it into it opened the work with many things. So like a lot of the things that you see nowadays done with the walls, climbing and, and wall puzzles, it's also inspired by, by gym bar. Hmm. And as I told you, like you'll see the old school Colombians doing it. And then the Russians, they just took it to the next level. But this, these guys also have a very specific, uh, like physiologically, they're built in a specific way as well, because uh, there's a lot of dislocation of the shoulders. There's a lot of... Uh, like extreme ranges when it comes to the elbows and the wrists as well. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, like probably just have a look um, and then you, you'll see what I mean. So if you want to open the scope of what can be done on a bar pulling, yep. check out what they do. It's um, pretty I'm crazy. I'm gonna have a look. Yeah, that's that's inspired <laughs> me to have have a bit of an explore. That's um, yeah, it's almost like say for the 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 rings in this example. You know, you open it up as a platform for creative development for the for the individual to explore, right? Which I really love because yeah, there is so much opportunity with um, well, I guess with with anything as well. If we look outside the scope of just going, okay, like yeah, you know, it's good to. Um, take the more classical approaches in mind because you know there's there is a huge vast uh, repository of knowledge there that's been developed in that specific way because I guess it's survived because it is so damn effective for it, its intended purposes but you can then also use it in all these other ways that you can just come up with because there's no right or wrong way as well. And to recognize, and this is something that I was chatting to with a friend as well, that um, sometimes we're restrained in all these social contexts because um, like say for working with the barbell, suddenly we're used to lifting at a certain height because the plates are of a certain dimension. And so that you're just always going to be pulling from the floor off however many centimeters and isn't, isn't that just like a b bizarre thing that suddenly you're, <laughs> you're defined by that because of the tool that, 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 that you use, you know? And so mm -hmm. I think the rings is, um, is the same. And, uh, yeah, I, I think what's interesting, what you present there in that Houdini video, which, um, again, listeners should check out is, uh, also ideas of that scalability and progression, which sometimes I think is what's, um, uh, is unclear for people if they're uh, just entering into that world as well. It can be seen as like just everything too hard or too difficult or too like um, too too dangerous, but actually it doesn't doesn't have to be that way either. Exactly, exactly right. Absolutely nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you know, with uh, with your classes, um, is. Uh, with what you present through um, through the content there, with the ones that I um, attended, there was I think one where we went through like a lot of different sort of like martial sequences, and then and then 
some rhythm work as well. And I remember asking you afterwards that uh, this was actually done around the topic of of listening, actually, and you know, and reflection. That is what it was about because we're always working with a with a partner there. Um, yeah, do you have a sort of uh, content curriculum, at least for the the group classes that you have in mind that that you take take them through? Um, yes, in that subject, yeah, I use I use uh, partner drills and partnering handsets from different different martial arts, ranging from Western boxing to Chinese arts like Bagua and Tai Chi, um, Filipino, Indonesian, um, all sorts. You know, like there's there's huge libraries and. You know, like whole traditions develop like many specific beautiful drills. Of course, they they within the context of the the discipline, it serves more purposes than just what we do. Um, but even if I try to open things, I'm I'm a bit of a romantic when it comes to tradition and culture and all of that. So like I love like connecting, you know, different worlds and times, bringing some of these things. Uh, into the light. So there's a combination with with the uh, with the different sets that we do. I think when you came to the class, we focused more on some um, sticky hands type of, of of patterns that would be closely related to something like Wing Chun, and we did some uh, Tai Chi uh, drills as well, and some boxing. I think you did as well. Yeah. So try to open up the scope so it's not like just this or that or that. So it it stays a bit more fresh as opposed to okay, we're just doing this specific type of thing. And also as a celebration of all of the things that we can do, you know, it's like it's it's uh I'll just give you an example. Uh you know Samurai Jack, the cartoon? Uh does ring a bell. Have I? Yeah. <laughs> okay, check the origin of Samurai Jack. Yeah. It's like you have this this child who's meant to be a samurai, and then when he's born, he's sent to all the corners of the world to learn from all of these masters. So he travels all of the continents and stuff like that. Like I love that, and I like people coming to the class and thinking like, okay, we're doing this that comes from this and this and this and this as well. So like honoring that from it's very important. So that has to do with the curriculum, and then of course each of the each of the sets will have also specific things that you can take outside of the context of both martial games partnering and listening so with the boxing what we do is understand a certain engine of the rotation of the spine and this will be useful when you're doing acrobatics or uh, playing sports or whatever then uh, with some of them it's the notion of folding the joints so it's understanding um think of what you experience in the beginning when you learn how to do a figure eight or a teacup mm -hmm. it kind of like opens your your understanding of the arm and how it can move <laughs> this is a bit of the same so when you understand that dynamic uh you get into this geeky type of game of a, a dialogue between open kinetic closed kinetic chain in the mm -hmm. arms Mm -hmm. So it's 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 cool stuff. It's like geeky movement stuff as well that you can explore. <laughs> uh, and more and more and more, you know, like some of them, it's more about being softer. Some of them learning how to yield to forces. Some of them would be developing more footwork and coordination. But then the main topic 
of course, as, well, as I was telling you, it's a conscious choice to have physical contact. You know, after this these few years, mm -hmm. super important. And then with the listening. So when you're doing this practice, you're trying to develop in like the Chinese call this thinking, and it's your ability to feel and monitor and get to know the other person as best as you can. Hmm. So, you know, search to understand instead of being understood. You realize when you're doing all of this partnering, we go into this mode. It's not only just competition. It's like different tendencies that we have when we don't realize that we are being reactive. And we're being reactive all the time. When we are having a discussion, when we are going to work, when we see the news and all of this. And of course, it's not that you say like, okay, I'm doing partnering sets and then all of the sudden I'm going to be a liberated being or whatever. It's just another tool for sure. Mm. But it can very quickly show you tendencies that you have that you were not aware of. Mm. Or like, whoa, like I am not waiting. Like I'm not really paying attention to the other person. And when you see it, when you experience it physically, it's obvious because when you're having a, an argument with somebody, it's so hard to truly listen. And you need a bit of space and time to realize those things. But when you're doing it with the partnering sets, it's obvious because either you just lose your base or you get hit or whatnot, that you get hit in the class. But, you know, it's, it's, it's out of your own small perspective of, you know, reality at that point. And listening, it's certainly something that we need to all work on develop more and more, you know, in, in having like these dialogues with all sorts of hot topics and making choices and, and figuring things out collectively. Um, so it seems like a very relevant theme and subject for the classes. Everyone loves it. And it's, it's one of the things it's, it's where I come from, you know, like I am, I would, if I had to label myself, I would label myself first as a martial artist before than anything else. Mm. You see, so it's 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 being able to share that with people that maybe wouldn't because of the context of it or other ideas as well, you know. Yeah, so, well, it was, certainly was a very beautiful session, and I remember, like, I was, I just remember that. Yeah, I had to pay all my attention throughout the whole session with 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 the listening to partake in all these sequences that we were doing. Otherwise, as you said, like, I would I would just get hit. Or it would it would break the sequence and that would mm. that that feedback would be there immediately to just be okay, like my mind wandered, I need to bring it back here, like right right here and now. And so yeah, yeah I thought that was a a really interesting experience afterwards because <laughs> afterwards I I, I I felt like uh fatigued in a less physical but like more mental way because I had had to be switched on and pay attention for that full two hours in, in mm. such an engrossed manner as well. And um, yeah, maybe I just haven't been in that zone of attention for that amount, a long amount of time for, for a while. So that, that was certainly very interesting for me. Oh, well, it was beautiful to, 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 to watch and see you doing that as well, because you were completely 
like all in it's what i tell you like all in like non-stop all the time and we were switching mm. systems and like there's all of this information and like yeah it's it's you see that this is the most beautiful part of it as well to to be able to to share and connect with people in 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 such a way and yeah like all the points that you're bringing are extremely relevant and i wish that were discussed by more and more people as well you know of the effects of what that can be and uh yeah like even things like you were mentioning how 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 taxing it can be in all sorts of ways mm. you know in good and bad ways also it's just at the end of the day all of all of those things it's just creating different types of feedback loops for you to mm-hmm. learn more about you <laughs> <laughs> so bring this full circle back to you know this this anthology that 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 you shared and as part of the text, you said that this is now opening up a new chapter for yourself. Um, and I wanted to just ask you, you know, for the upcoming sort of year, and you kind of briefly mentioned uh, this to me in, in our chats together as well. Like, um, yeah, what, what are your intentions um, in the in the near future? Um, so first, uh, again, thank you for... Um, you know, inviting me and having me here because it's uh, it's clearly an opportunity to to share and connect with with more people, which is a huge part of of what I would like to do. You know, connect more. Of course, first locally, like you and I were in Melbourne, <laughs> and then hopefully more interstate. And uh, there's there's talks like things happening in in Europe as well. The year coming. Um, so with the with the teaching, of course, it's what I was sharing. Um, my idea is to basically try and, and connect and pass on the knowledge as best as I can to many people, and in particular those who want to to teach. It makes more sense. Mm-hmm. You know, if I can if I can if I can help ten teachers, then you know potentially they can reach many more people than I physically can that I could physically handle and yeah it makes more sense and it's way more fun as well and 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 see the different colors and styles and personalities growing uh so that's being done with the with the group here and then with the with the remote uh guidance and also the the intensives so I've had people coming to to Melbourne and spending one week where we do a lot of work so of course they they join the group classes we practice together we have a lot of like talking as well to discuss just to make sure that uh, they they find a way to develop themselves as teachers in no specific line you know some some people want to and have beautiful ideas in terms of bringing more tools to um the the community development for instance um social working many other things um and then again with the with the remote guidance kind of like coming to to terms and be at peace with technology which aspect of me didn't like for many years Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's silly because it's an amazing tool um and then slowly opening the the group classes to more people because although the the group classes are open for anyone 
we have a little bit of a predicament here, which is um, most of the people in the class, they have been uh, learning for five, six, seven years. And it's not about them being advanced or not, but it's more of what that, what that dynamic brings. When new people come to the class and I try to do the best and saying like, there are no levels, nothing like that. But then they start to talk to others and say like, so how long have you been doing this for like seven years? And I like, boom, all of <laughs> these ghosts manifests and go like, what am I doing here and whatnot? So that, that has been a, a like a challenging puzzle, you know, and mm. like opening that. Uh, but it seems that in terms of my, my own resources and my availability, it, it makes more sense to uh, focus on, in, in the smaller scale stuff have people uh, come and spend longer periods of time. And then the, 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 the remote teaching, which is different because I don't, um, it's not that I have like my own online platform, like the remote stuff, it's, it's super low tech because it's everything it's done to uh, support the individual, meaning every single video that you get, it's made for you. <laughs> <laughs> addressing your needs and what and, and where you're at with these things which also means that it's not something that you can do for hundreds of people or even tens of people but just few people who want to do that right mm. so then it's the intention of uh traveling which i haven't done like all the the traveling that i've done or like all of the occasions where i had been teaching was always more as supporting as a like a, uh assisting versus teaching and now my intention is to connect. So, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful to know some of the people running some of the very known facilities in Australia when we're going to run some events in the near future. Um, and then the other thing with the plants, it's, it's open up uh, the other areas of what I, what I do teaching, which I, I was not doing uh, before. So one of them would be teaching the, the internal martial arts that I, that I learned. And the other one, it's also more in the, the internal practice, metaphysics, esoterics, and meditation and the like as well, which at the end of the day, everything is related, but I also want to open it in such a way that it would be there as a, an option and as an opportunity for those who want to go on that path. Mm -hmm. So trying to manage all of those things, uh, exciting times. <laughs> Exciting times indeed. And, you know, for all those listening in, um, whether they're someone who's looking to uh, to learn from you or maybe to connect with you, to maybe run an event with you as well, what's your preferred method of um, how they should get into contact? Um, well, there's always the, the, the Instagram, my Instagram, uh, which I'm trying to become more active with as well. <laughs> and my, my email address there for... Uh, reaching out in terms of teaching and, and events and all of that, um, which is jmrsteacher at gmail.com. Um, and then we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll find better ways to, um, to connect and reach out with people as well. But certainly social media would be the easiest. And then there's the, a YouTube channel where I'm going to start like sharing more, more things as well, like the, the, the Houdini breakdown and, and the likes of, uh, yeah, stay, stay in touch and keep your eyes open because I'll, I'll try to share and, and uh, do as best as I can to connect and contribute to this community and this practice as well. 
Well, I've really enjoyed having you on here, Juan. I'm also looking very much forward to continue connecting in person as well. I guess we have the pleasure because, you know, we, yeah. we, we live here in, in Melbourne. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, to to keep on to continuing with that, which I'm really excited for. But uh, absolutely. Otherwise, I did want to add on one final question, which is, who was your childhood um, martial arts hero? Whoa, my childhood martial arts hero. Wow, that's a that's a big, 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 big. Which I mean, hmm. it's probably always going to be related to the old Shaolin figures or the likes of Wong Fei Hong or the Ten Tigers of Guangdong. Uh, so, yeah, it's probably one of them. But if not, I would always go deep in my heart, the Monkey King. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right, Juan. Well, thanks so much uh, for today. I appreciate you and um, hope to talk with you soon. Likewise, my friend, thank you so much for the, the invitation and the opportunity. Thank you for your work. I wish uh, it continues to grow and reach more and more people here to help and support you in all ways that I can. And very grateful for your time, your friendship, and looking forward to some practice together as well soon. Episode 75, that's a wrap, guys. Thanks to Juan for jumping on the podcast onto the passive hang really look forward to connecting more in person practicing together and i hope you guys enjoyed that conversation if you have any questions or comments remember always feel free to reach out to me you can find my details on instagram that's at phaon p at p-h-a-o-n-p or on the website thepassivehang.com i'd love to hear you guys or hear from you guys uh, and also if you have any suggestions of topics areas that you want to find out more about or any movers uh, that you like to follow that you are inspired by that maybe you'd like to get onto the show as well hit me up all right guys well i'll leave it at that for today thanks to you guys for tuning in all the way to the very end and i'll see you in the next episode